What's going on, Dolphins fans? This is your host here on Locked on Dolphins, Kyle Krabs. Today is Tuesday, February 22nd, 2022. Today on the show, we are investigating the linebacker position for the Miami Dolphins in 2022, evaluating how the key players performed and how they forecast as long-term pieces of the puzzle for the Miami Dolphins. You are Locked on Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, Dolphins fans? Kyle Krabs, your host here on Locked On Dolphins. Lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, director scouting at thedraftnetwork.com. Your host here and ready to dig into the second level of the Miami Dolphins defense from 2021. We held off on doing this for a while because we weren't sure with the coaching change. Are we going to run it back? Are we going to bring the same system back into place? Are we going to make a defensive coordinator change? Well, now we know Josh Boyer is going to remain as the defensive coordinator, which means for the time being, we are going to operate under the assumption that the Dolphins are executing the same defensive system. And with the same defensive system, it makes it much easier, especially versus the offensive side of the football, for us to make a prognostication of which players that were on the roster this past year, based on their past performance and based on their future developmental curve, are going to make sense to continue to be pieces for the Miami Dolphins on the defense. We did the defensive line yesterday. Linebackers today, and we will do the secondary uh, tomorrow on the show to bring it to a close. Uh, But before we get into talking about the linebackers, Uh, A quick follow-up from something we talked about at the top of the show yesterday, if you guys missed it. Former Dolphins head coach Brian Flores went on the I Am Athlete podcast with former NFL wide receivers Brandon Marshall and Chad Johnson to talk about his experience in Miami, his lawsuit litigation, uh, and also kind of his experiences in the game of football in general. So uh, I had a chance to watch it. It premiered yesterday on Monday at noon. And I do think it's worth your time. Uh, So I won't get too into the weeds on what was talked about. I I think I'd rather let you go to I Am Athlete and hear Coach Flores speak with Brandon and Chad Johnson and Omar Kelly from the Sun Sentinel was there as well. And kind of hear him talk about competitive integrity and the things that he was asked to do in Miami. And uh, he, he explained a little bit about a zero defense just from a football perspective, which was nice as well. So uh, some things that are going to be applicable for the Dolphins in understanding why their zero blitz package, their 5-0 package, worked the way that it did and what that mentality was. Uh, Nice little peek behind the curtain for you as a Dolphins fan on what presumably your defensive coordinator is going to try to continue to carry the ball with in 2022 and hopefully beyond. Hopefully there's success with Coach Boyer and, and it's enough of a reason for the Dolphins to sustain that coaching staff and and continue with that long term. But part of that formula is going to be determined by the players on the field. It's X's and O's to a certain degree, but it's also Jimmy's and Joe's, which is the players. Talent makes the world go round in the NFL. So as we look at the linebacker room, the key players that we're going to be discussing here on the show, Jerome Baker, Elandon Roberts, Andrew Van Ginkle, Duke Riley, Brennan Scarlett, Sam McGuavin. These are your key players. I mean, we could talk about 
Vince Beagle, but he only played in five games and, and only logged a couple of tackles and was hurt for the second year in a row. So I don't necessarily think we need to go down that rabbit hole that far. But this is a linebacker room that, in my assessment of the team, uh, had a couple complementary pieces. It has one staple piece to it, uh, but it needs more. And in identifying who played their role to what degree, it's going to help us identify the kinds of players that we need to be looking for this offseason as the Dolphins look to improve upon that second level of the defense. So there's only one place you can start this conversation, and it's linebacker Jerome Baker. Baker played in 16 games. He started 16 games. He did miss one. He finished the season with 92 tackles, five and a half sacks, four passes defensed, an interception, nine tackles for loss, which was tied for second on the team, and 15 quarterback hits. As far as coverage goes for Jerome Baker, he set career marks in a number of categories, including yards per completion, lowest of his career, 8.4, yards per target, 5.9, the lowest of his career. He conceded 69.6% of targets in his area to be completed for 405 yards. That 69% completion was the lowest of his career. So there were a number of marks in which Jerome set high watermarks. Of course, he was the 2021 defensive AFC defensive player of the month. And he played 972 snaps, 92%, up from 84% in 2020. So Baker, uh, interesting evolution of his role throughout the course of the year. If I were to give Jerome Baker's season a grade, it would probably be a solid B. Um, the impact plays were down a little bit. He had seven sacks um, the year prior. Now, he did have more tackles for loss this year. Uh, he was marginally better in coverage this year than he was last year. But he, like so many other players on the team, as evidenced by the, the first eight weeks of the season, started slow. And I can't help but wonder if Jerome Baker's play would have been sustained over a full 16-game or 17-game sample size the way he played the back half of the year, what would that have looked like? Anytime you get AFC Defensive Player of the Month, you did some things right, right? And Jerome Baker, the big change for him was getting featured more as an outside linebacker. They were finding ways to get Duke Riley on the field more um, as somebody who was more of a coverage option. And therefore, Jerome, speed off the edge, you know, we talked yesterday about how it was Wilkins and Agba a lot of the times who were these these guys as the, the down man with his hand in the dirt. Well, you started playing Jerome Baker as a 225-pound rush linebacker on the edge. And when you were dealing with speedy quarterbacks like Lamar Jackson, yeah, it made sense. You wanted to have speed on the perimeter, make sure you didn't get out leveraged to the sideline. But they carried that through, and that showed up and popped up week in and, and week out from there. And that evolution for Jerome, I think, was critical because Jerome is a player who, with his stature, is never going to shine in traffic. Jerome Baker's never going to be a guy that you put at Mike Linebacker in the heart of the defense and say, okay, you got sideline to sideline. You got to be able to trigger downhill and attack lead blocks. You got to be able to scrape and flow and shoot gaps. And you got to be able to, to take those read steps and then diagnose pass and turn around and get depth and cover. 
He's just not physically somebody who is really going to thrive in a high traffic situation. So removing him from being in the box, which he played a lot of in 2019, and that was why you saw his his performance kind of struggle because the Dolphins needed him there because he was the best option there. And getting him out on the edge and into space more, that yielded some really good results for the Dolphins. And if you can get more linebackers with a presence in close quarters, it will not only make those spots better, it will make Jerome Baker a better player as well and potentially get him from a sack production standpoint back up to the, that high watermark that he had established the year prior with seven sacks versus five and a half. Now, relatively speaking, Jerome blitzed about the same amount of times, 99 times in 2020 versus 91 times in 2021. So it was close to about the same amount of times. And from a, a just a raw pressures perspective, the argument could be made uh, that he was more efficient from a pressure player, but actually finishing those splash plays for himself, there was a little bit of give this year. Um, but I think Jerome is also kind of burdened by being the best player in the room in a degree in which it puts him in some places where you ideally would not ideally play Jerome Baker, but you have to because somebody has to man those spots. And they didn't have a lot of other athletic options to take some of those, those reps. Football season may be over, but basketball is in full steam ahead mode with both pro and college hoops. From all the latest odds, totals, player performance props to where the next fire coach is going to land, betonline.net is the number one spot for all of your sports betting needs. BetOnline remains the best spot for all of your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. But it's not just basketball. BetOnline.net is your source for hockey, boxing, and UFC odds. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to sign up for more about the trends in action. Bet online, where the game starts. Our next critical contributor in the linebacker room is the other starting linebacker, Elandon Roberts. Elandon Roberts this season played in 17 games, started 15 after a December injury. Was it December? Yeah, it was, it was the Raiders game, which was right right before Christmas. Uh, it was a um, a knee injury for Elaine and Roberts. He ended up coming back, played all 17 games. On the season, he was third on the team in tackles with 83. He had six tackles for loss, two quarterback hits, one sack, one interception, which was, of course, against the Raiders and returned 85 yards for a touchdown. Simpler times. Four passes defensed and two forced fumbles. Uh, his 83 tackles was a career high by 16, a pretty significant margin. His tackles for loss was tied for the second best of his career, uh, two behind his career high, which was set in 2020. But to evaluate Elaine and Roberts as a player, and I think the one thing the Dolphins did reasonably well with Elaine was limit his opportunities in pass defense. Um, he was only targeted 29 times and he conceded 13 completions, uh, yielded two touchdowns, a passer rating allowed of 91 on the dot. As a point of comparison, Elana Roberts gave up 91% completion percentage in 2020 and a pass rating of 135.5. 
So he was exposed less frequently uh, to some of those losing reps this past year. And that is in part due to the presence of Duke Riley and then the emergence of Brandon Jones as another safety option for you as well. But he missed 14.4% of his tackle attempts, 14 missed tackles, uh, which is less than one percentage point lower than what he missed last year when he had 11 missed tackles uh, for 15.3% missed tackle rate. The pass coverage and the missed tackles, which appear to be due to uh, a lack of length to be able to wrap up and finish opportunities, are two problem er problematic areas of Elan and Roberts's game that um, I think put a glass ceiling over who he is as a player. Uh, he did play 621 snaps, which was 55% of the defensive snaps. That was higher than the 48% of defensive snaps that he took. Uh, the year prior in 2020. So if you you are looking for silver linings, Roberts played more snaps, was exposed to less disadvantageous reps as far as pass defense than what he was the previous year. And he only blitzed 15 times, which was half the amount of opportunities that he had in 2020 when he had 30. Um, he logged five total pressures which was equal to the amount of pressures that he logged the previous year on twice as many opportunities. So there were some areas for Elandon in which he was more proficient as a football player, and he was able to stay healthy the entire year. I think the thing with Elandon Roberts that we just have to acknowledge is that he is a limited football player for the role that he plays. And there is a spot on an, any active roster for a player like Elandon Roberts. Probably going to be pretty good on special teams, solid on special teams. I think he's added a little bit of mass, and I think it's made him a little bit more stiff and not dynamic in three-dimensional planes. Uh, the length is is something that gets him in trouble from a, ta a tackling perspective where he's into the body of guys, but he can't finish the play. And um, I just don't think pass coverage is ever going to be a strength of Elan and Roberts. But if you told me Atlanta Roberts was back next year, as long as he wasn't the de facto starting downhill inside linebacker, I'd be pretty happy to see Atlanta Roberts back. I think his season was a C. I think the missed tackles are problematic. The lack of impact plays uh, other than the interception, which was put right into his wrap, uh, right into his lap when Derek Carr was under pressure. And it looked like the receiver stopped running the route and Carr under duress threw it as though he was going to keep going. Uh, but not a lot of quarterback pressure production. Uh, his backfield production in the run game was down. His actual plays on the ball um, in coverage was modest. But for a guy who plays 55, 60% of the snaps, you'd like to get some more impact plays out of him as a player. I think he's a good role player. I think he's ideally somebody who is a depth option and a special teams guy that the Dolphins have been playing in a featured role because he's known and been familiar with the system and was familiar with Coach Flores. So you give Jerome Baker a solid B. I would give Elan and Roberts a C, probably. I think Andrew Van Ginkle, who's our next guy, uh, deserves a shout because the early portion of the season for him wasn't just slow, it was ugly. But he came on really strong. Uh, he finished the season with 71 tackles, four sacks, nine tackles for loss, which was tied for second on the team, 20 quarterback hits, which was second on the team, seven passes defensed. He had a forced fumble. 
this is a, somebody who played a career high in snaps. He played 71% of your defensive snaps. I think if you foil that with the number of snaps that Jalen Phillips took, you ideally would have gotten a little bit more um, snaps out of Jalen Phillips, uh, especially considering the athletic profile that Jalen Phillips provides. Perhaps that's something that improves in time. I think Andrew Van Ginkle is a bona fide standout if you ask him to be a pass rush specialist in speed packages and subgroups, and you ask him to kind of be against teams that like to spread you out, uh, those are opportunities where he can get more involved on an every down basis and then just be a special team staple. And he's been a special team staple. He played 72% of the Dolphins' defensive snaps in 2020. Uh, 324 snaps. He played 277 special team snaps this past year. He's got almost 700 special team snaps in three years, and he missed 10 games his rookie season in 2019. This is a good football player. Uh, but the way in which he was used, a lot of zone coverage drops and working into the flat and asking him to anticipate uh, routes and extended plays and being able to split the difference between the two early in the season, that was not his best utilization. And I think as you saw him get more opportunities to attack and play forward, that's how this player ends up with 31 pressures. He's somebody who uh, was tied with Elana Roberts with missed tackles on the team with 14. That's 16.5% of his attempts. That's a number that has to get better. He conceded a passer rating of 102 this past year on 29 targets. Uh, that's an area that needs to get better. Um, but him playing in space was where I thought the problems were most prevalent. Him overextending himself and uh, trying to leverage the flat and leverage the route and have instincts in that space it wasn't very productive for him. And that's why I like him best as a speed rusher. And really help you heat up the opposing quarterback, but has the athleticism for if you do go zero and put the birds on the fence, he can drop out and push to, to hots and take away throwing windows. Um, and if you want to go with a traditional three, four front and you go your three down and your two outside linebackers, uh, he can probably fulfill a valuable role for you in that regard. We got two more names to talk about, but not before I tell you about our friends over at rockauto.com. Rockauto.com is a family business who's been providing auto parts customers with high quality service online for the last 20 years. So whether you're shopping for engine control modules, brake parts, taillights, motor oil, or even new carpet for your classic or daily driver, rockauto.com has everything you need in one easy to navigate catalog and in just a few clicks you can get everything delivered directly to your front door best of all price of the same at rockauto.com for both professionals and do-it-yourselfers so why would you shop anywhere else and spend up to twice as much for the same parts visit rockauto.com for all your auto parts needs and write locked on under how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you amazing selection reliably low prices and all the parts your car will ever need over at rockauto.com we have Duke Riley, and we have uh, Brennan Scarlett as our last two names on this list. And let's start with Brennan Scarlett. 
because he was somebody who the team very clearly liked as a hybrid outside linebacker run setter uh, for the Dolphins when he was healthy. This is an expiring contract. He signed a one-year, $1.1 million contract with the team ahead of the season. Six for four, 260 pounds. Uh, he logged 19 tackles for the season and did not log much else of value to the team. This is a replacement-level player, in my opinion, and I don't think unless you end up getting through the early chapters of free agency and the draft comes and grows and you don't have anybody to take that role and he's still out there, this is not a player that I would necessarily be advocating for the team bringing back. I think, you know, even if you're looking for a role player, there are more high ceiling plays that you can make uh, for guys that can set the edge and turn back the run um, who I think would benefit greatly uh, the dolphins to pursue, whether that is a draft guy in a deep edge class or any other of different names uh, who can do some of those dirty work reps for you uh, on the edge. But Duke Riley is, is our other key name here. I do want to also shout out Sam McGuavin, not a math guy here. Please excuse me. I know I said two, uh, but Duke Riley is somebody who I conversely would absolutely positively advocate for the Dolphins to bring back if they get the chance. He also signed a one-year $1.1 million contract with the team uh, ahead of this upcoming this past season. He played 227 snaps for the Dolphins defensively and another 260 special team snaps, but he was really good in coverage. Uh, he was targeted 13 times, gave up nine completions, so 69% completion, but only 65 yards, uh, 5.0 yards per target, a passer rating allowed of 80.6. Uh, his missed tackles, only 7.1. It's about half the rate of several of the other linebackers that we've talked about in this group. Uh, he produced three pressures on 11 blitz opportunities. His role was sparing at times, but when they started to find reasons to get him involved and play a little bit higher of a clip, I thought Duke Riley really popped in a positive way for his contributions to the team. And as a point of reference, this, here's his snaps for the first half of the season. And the, the week six or the week eight game against Buffalo, in which he played a, a season high 67 snaps. That's the aberration by far snaps week one, one, Defensive snaps. Week two, two defensive snaps. Week three, one defensive snap. Week four, no defensive snaps. Week five, eight, one, six, 67, seven. Then comes the Baltimore game, 26 snaps. Nine snaps against the Jets. 30 against the Panthers. 33 against the Giants. Nine against the Jets. Did not play against the Saints. Nine against the Titans. 18 against the Patriots in the, in the season finale. So you got several opportunities to see him play more and more in the back half of the season, and he did really well with those opportunities. And he was a guy who played no less than every game that he suited up. He played at least 54% of the, of the special team snaps. For $1.1 million, you could, you could double or triple his value, and I could tell you that this is a player that's going to bring you positive value for the contract that you're paying him versus the value he's going to bring you on teams and what he can do in pass coverage and the first step that he has in this kind of defense to be a blitz pressure type player. 
Duke Riley, somebody who I would love to see the Dolphins make an effort, a strong, concerted, concentrated effort to give a decent contract to and make sure he's back in the building. And then the last name that we need to talk about is, is Sam McGuavin, uh, the linebacker who came to the Dolphins from the CFL. 2019 was a big year for him. He played 620 snaps that year. Those snaps dropped to 84 in 2020 as the team experienced a major overhaul, brought in a bunch of hybrid linebackers. And then this past year, his snaps went up to 181. So he played a modest amount, uh, but he was the guy who, when the Dolphins went with their 5-0 looks on third down and third and longs, and they were trying to manufacture uh, some games inside. He was a blitz specialist, and he was pretty darn good at it. Uh, he had 16 blitzes, and he had 10 pressures on 16 opportunities as a blitz player this past year. Um, he's somebody who I think there's a glass ceiling over, but he he's also been a, a staple on special teams. He's played at least 260 snaps on special teams the last two years. This is the kind of player who – plays dirty work, but he can play on the edge. If you get an injury, he can play off ball. If you get an injury, he's going to play special teams. He's got a very clear defined role within your sub package group. Um, this is a player I would love to see uh, continue to be a member of the Miami Dolphins as well. So I think you need a physical replacement for Elana Roberts as a starter on the second level. I think you need a rotational sub, heavy-handed, 260, 270-pound guy to be in heavy fronts playing to the run strength uh, to replace Brennan Scarlett. I know that was the vision that they initially seemed to have for him. If you get those two things and you bring some of these other complementary pieces back, you could have yourself a really nice group. Uh, but it's not something that I think, that I think the Dolphins can just rest on their laurels and, and be complacent about. Whether or not they do, that's what the offseason's for, and we're going to explore what some of those hypotheticals potentially look like as we continue through the offseason programming here on Locked on Dolphins. I want to thank you guys for tuning in. Make sure you keep it locked in right here on Locked on Dolphins. Kyle Krabs, fins up. Thanks, as always, for checking out the show. Make it a good one. I'll talk with you guys again tomorrow.